Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, the the queen... The queen is still alive. Uh, Man, she may be out of here soon, it looks like. The statements coming from uh, London and the Buckingham Palace seem rather grim. Queen Elizabeth II might be on her very, very last legs. Well, hey, good long life, right? How how old is she? 90 what? 95? Queen Elizabeth II. Anybody ever meet her? No. Um, Pete, you never, you know, you never had tea with the queen. I can't say I did. My parents met her once and a very nice lady. You know who really gets along with her very, very well? President Trump. You know, you would think, oh gosh, she would be horrified by President Trump. Not so, not so at all. Now, from what I am, what I've learned and what I've been, oh, she's 96, by the way. Uh, doctors placed Queen Elizabeth II, who is 96, under medical supervision at some castle she likes up in Scotland. Prince Charles traveled to that castle to be at his mother's side. You know, there are three other kids. There's Andrew. We know about Andrew and his issues. We uh, we got Edward. Never heard of Edward. Never, ever heard of him. And Anne. Four kids. I, you really only think of Prince Charles and Andrew, if that. Uh, let's see here. Oh, gosh, there's Prince Andrew in the car. I haven't seen him since, um, you know, that Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Anyway, when when did she become the queen? It was like 1951, 1952. And Donald Trump was about five, six years old. And he was the first person on his block to have a television set. And the event of her coronation the coronation itself was carried live on uh, tv for like five days straight it was a big big television uh event and it made a big impression on him and it made a big impression on his mother actually more so his mother mrs trump uh was from what was her name mary mcleod she was from scotland and she was really really fond of the queen and uh one of Donald Trump's earliest memories is watching her mother watch, watching his mother watch the Queen on TV. And when they first met, uh, that's what he told her about. You know, well, my mother was, my mother was a big fan, and she loved you so much, Queen. <laughs> what did, and what did Joe Biden say? You remind me of my mother. <laughs> he did. He actually said that. You remind me. I don't care. I don't care if the Queen is 120. No woman. All right. Whether she's 120, 96, wants some guy like Joe Biden talking about uh, age. Right. Oh, we have the queen now. This is a what are you? OK, you're gesticulating wildly. What are you trying to tell me? I have Biden comparing the queen to his grandmother, if you like it. Oh, mm. that what the hell. She was very generous, very. Uh, I, I don't think she'd be in but You've met my mother. She reminded me of my mother. All right.
right one of those press conferences right next to the airplane. Thanks very much. Let's get Trump saying something about the Queen. And let's hear from the Queen. Now, the Queen is a great lady, except we got to be honest, all right, as we write her obituary, as we get it ready, she was not nice to Diana at all, all right? She just did not like, although Diana was a bit of a head case, quite frankly. May she rest in peace. Uh, Diana was um, just didn't fit in and didn't make any effort to fit in. If you want to know about this stuff, there's a pretty good. If you're gonna have to, if you have to have Netflix, you might as well watch The Crown seasons one, two, three. I am crown complete, and I can go to any dinner party in the world and be a hit with all the girls because I've seen The Crown. Uh, they just love talking about The Crown, and it is kind of interesting. Prince Philip. Boy, oh boy, did that guy get abused in boarding school. Those British boarding schools are weird. I don't know why the hell we have them here. We do. A handful of boarding schools in New England. I mean, unless you're like a, I don't know, a real truant, uh, you should not go to one of these schools. And it it really messed up Phil uh, for a long time. He's gone, by the way, right? Yeah, no more. No more Phil. Anyway, we'll keep our eye on that. In the meantime, what's happening back here in America? (sighs) Ah. This is a very healthy ego that Trump has. Some people are turned off by it, but this is actually the way we should think about ourselves. Not exactly like this. Maybe you're not a genius, but maybe you're good at something. You should talk about how good you are. You should build yourself up, not take yourself down. That's what we all do almost all the time. It's socially acceptable to put yourself down, right? Now, who doesn't do this? Of course, it is Trump. Cut 18. I'm like a smart guy. You know, I'm really smart. I think I'm a great father. I'm a very stable genius. I think I'm such a genius. I'm a great Christian. I'm a big businessman. I I have tremendous business. I'm a very smart guy. I got good marks. I was all this. I went to the best college, the Wharton School of Finance, which to me is like the greatest business school. Now, granted, nobody talks this way. But maybe we should. And by that, I mean, you know, It's not healthy to do what society says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to put ourselves down. We're supposed to be modest. We're supposed to say, oh, it wasn't me. It was my team. Oh, I'd be nothing without this person. Oh, it wasn't. I dumb luck. You know, oh, gosh, I'm so stupid. I got it wrong again. Oh, boy. You know, that kind of. And by the way, if we're not saying that publicly, a lot of people say that to themselves all the time. Negative self-talk is a real thing. Oh, I can't believe I've done I mean, wait, I'm not the only one who does this, right? I mean, right. We beat ourselves up all the time. And I think one of the many traits of Trump that are admirable, and he never puts himself down, right? He never puts himself down. And why would he? And why would you? Why would I? You know, the whole world is out to get you, right? Pretty much. (laughs) No one's doing you any favors. Why not do yourself a favor and put your... Don't give yourself such a hard time. Now, there's an important, this is more than just, you know, a way to feel good. This is actually a way, I think, to win wars. So we have a military, the United States military, in which I served very proudly, and I I just loved my time in the military. I just, uh, it was really great. I'm so happy I, I, I made that decision, and I learned so much. But one thing I did learn, and I noticed it when I was in, I don't know when they started doing this. I have my theories. I'm still developing it, but I think it started post-Vietnam. So what do we have in Vietnam and prior? 
we had very strong, charismatic generals. General Patton, General MacArthur, General Eisenhower, General Westmoreland, right? These guys were giants. They were warriors, and they were charismatic. They knew how to lead. Guess who that ultimately started to freak out? Politicians. Remember when MacArthur came pretty close to running for president, right? They don't want that again. These guys, they don't want anybody strong around them. They want weaklings. So slowly but surely, they made sure that the generals at the top were not all that. You know, one of the remember the last big one, and I, I'm a big admirer, but I also have my concerns and my doubts, and he screwed up a lot of things. But ultimately, I like the guy because of our Bronx commonality. Both went to school in the Bronx. I'm talking about Colin Powell. So Colin Powell is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was like really the last really big charismatic general. And then they, Bill Clinton was terrified of that guy running for president against him. It was really, it almost happened. So who did they pick after him? Who's the general of the Joint Chiefs, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff who came after Colin Powell? Good luck finding that out, okay? <laughs> it was, I, I know who it was. I actually met him once. General Shali Kashvili. Shali Kashvili. Didn't exactly go down in history, right? Shali Kashvili. He was born, I believe, in, anyway, it was just, he was kind of a nondescript guy, although he had an interesting name. What am I getting at? We make wimps generals these days, and they put themselves down. Now, you're about to hear from four four four-star generals. The first is General Milley. We know who he is, right? (laughs) Blew it in Afghanistan. The second is a guy named General um, Neller, who was the commandant of the Marine Corps, the number one Marine. The next one is General Dempsey, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and Excuse me, the last one is General Richard Myers, who was, I believe, general on uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs on 9-11 or shortly thereafter. So these are four-star generals, right? These guys are in charge of defending us, America. Listen to how they talk. They talk like assistant principals who want to be liked by the cool kids. All right? Cut 19, go. Thank you all for being here, and I know it's a very, very special day, and... Um, I can assure you that I was not magna cum laude, did not major in physics, was not Phi Beta Kappa. (laughs) Although I graduated, it was just barely, and I was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. Good to see some familiar faces. I'm shocked that you're here since you know me so well that you would spend your time to listen to what I have to say. And, And I told her, I said, you know, the problem, I guess, we're newlyweds, I guess the problem is that I'm a perfectionist and you're not. And she said, yeah, that's exactly right. That's why you married me and I married you. (laughs) I think if 35 years ago somebody said, gee, Dick, we see you as a four-star Air Force general uh, standing on some stage at Kansas State delivering some lecture, I'd have been the first one to start laughing. The uh, loudest laughter, though, would have come from all my friends who know me quite well. Okay. Now, these are not just some snippets, you know, icebreakers, all right? It's more than that. It's It's a modesty that has become... They almost brag about how mediocre they are. And when you brag about how dumb you are, nobody expects anything from you, right? Um, I do believe that this, uh, what do you want to call it, this approach, this this social lubricant, which has now become like, 
so pervasive that this is how they carry themselves. Oh, not me. It's that person. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Leadership, it's disappearing from the military. It's just disappearing. I mean, look at Afghanistan. Look at what the hell happened there. We still have not had a full accounting of what happened. We lost a war, everybody. 20 years later, we're back to where we started from. 9-11. When is the 9-11 anniversary? You heard all those guys bragging about how mediocre they are? Hey, you can understand why uh, <laughs> when it came to Trump, oil and water, right? Can we hear that one more time? Are you 18? I'm like a smart guy. You know, I'm really smart. I think I'm a great father. I'm a very stable genius. I think I'm such a genius. You I'm see? a great Christian. I'm a big businessman. I, I have tremendous business. I'm a very smart guy. I got good marks. I was all this. I went to the best college, the Wharton School of Finance, which to me is like the greatest business school. Now, you might say, oh, that's a turnoff. Wow, he's so conceited. Well, if you're going to be the president of a country, a big country, a powerful country, the best country like America, I think you got to be the best. And if you're going to be a general and wear four stars or an admiral and you're going to be in charge of our men and women in uniform, I think you should be the best and you should be proud of it. They're always putting themselves down and that – When a general gets up and says, I'm stupid, and I graduated at the bottom of my class, ha, 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 how does that make the men and women of the the military feel, right? Listen, to the men and women of the military, you're wearing our nation's uniform, you are smart, and you are tough. Do not let these generals, because they want to be a hit with Senator Kirsten Gillibrand at some hearing, put themselves down. That's their own political dance which is corrupted, corrupt. So I want to play this one thing. I got it from Mark Levin, and I just think it's amazing. Mark Levin is on this radio station from 6 to 9 every night. He played this clip. It's 17 minutes long. I I pared it down. It's a, it, 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 Tom Klingenstein, is that his name? He's from the Claremont Institute, and he gives the middle finger to those people who say, I like Trump's policies, but not Trump himself. They don't understand what they're talking about. Cut 20. Born for the current crisis, the life and death struggle against a totalitarian enemy I call woke communism. Trump is a manly man. In present time, when manhood is being stripped of its masculinity, traditional manhood, even when flawed, is absolutely essential. Trump ripped apart people he thought were weak. Sometimes he went overboard. But his supporters excused his excesses because strength is in such short supply. Trump has the courage to defend his own people. Trump plays to win. When you're in the right, you have a moral duty not just to fight, but to win. He, unlike the woke calm, loves America and wants to preserve the American way of life. Trump is unreservedly, unquestionably pro-America. How about that, huh? Good stuff. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The queen is uh, alive, alive. For the time being, we hope she pulls through. Hey, 
I, I see a headline here, not to be a wise guy, but doctors are concerned with the queen's health. They should be thrilled with the health, all right? She made it to 96 at least. Great job, great job. More on that in a, in a little bit. All right, so the other thing we needed to talk about, oh, I talked about the uh, the war on white women, and it's it's real. It's really happening. It's There's such a resentment of, well, white people, white men. A lot of this resentment seems to come from white people, white men, white women. <laughs> uh, first, if you are a beautiful woman who uh, goes missing, victim of a violent crime like that uh, Eliza Fletcher was, you know about that case? She was out running one morning. This mother, 34 years old, abducted, murdered, horrible, career criminal, is allegedly responsible. Um, but if you talk about this too much, you are guilty of the following syndrome. Let's see, what are the cut 23. White woman syndrome eclipses the thousands of missing people of color in the U.S. every year. There certainly is a disparity between uh, when you have a missing person of color and a missing white person. When Eiffel, I think, coined the term missing white woman syndrome. Another example of missing white woman syndrome, because when people of color go missing, it's barely covered by the media and mostly ignored by the public. Why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Well, the answer actually has a name. Missing white woman syndrome. All right. So white woman. You see how they say that white woman, but nothing less cool than being a white woman these days. So actually, uh, like everything else the media does right there, that little uh, they're all sounding so virtuous. That's uh, that's virtue signaling right there. That's especially Alison Camerata at CNN. That's uh, textbook virtue signaling. We just heard there. Um, but. If you actually look it up and you look up the stories and what's actually going on, it's a way more complicated than they than they're suggesting. All right, there are some socioeconomic factors that are interesting. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's go back to what's her name, uh, Holloway, Natalie Holloway. Remember her? She went to the beautiful resort of Aruba, and she disappeared. Right. Well, that doesn't happen very often in Aruba, at a beautiful resort that you might go to. Right, spring breakers, whatever. Aruba, that's a all right, that's part of why the story was big. And I'm sorry, but in high crime areas, um, crime is less, perhaps, to the media, noteworthy. Perhaps. The, the What do they call it? Like, what's more interesting? Dog bites man or man bites dog? Dog bites man every day. But a man biting a dog, that's interesting. That's different. That's weird. Anyway. Then again, there is something to this, all right? There is, but they're taking it to the next level. I mean, forget about when women who are white go missing. Just in general, they're horrible people, according to the fake news. I mean, just terrible. Listen to this. This is, I, this is these are real newscasters. This is today's culture. This is America, cut 24. This is yes. a typical case of a white woman, white womaning, right? So we see the disrespect, we see the privilege. White women have taken an active role in the maintenance of white supremacy. When you're a white woman and you're a Republican, there's just certain stuff culturally that you don't know jack bleep about. And My advice to white women is, man your own goddamn business. Wow, you see, uh, some of those people should have been, uh, their shows should have been canceled. They should have gotten in trouble. They should have been suspended for saying those horrible, horrible things. But no, it just, that's fine. Did you hear that first person? This is another example of a white woman, white womaning. 
And you see the privilege, the white privilege, right? Uh, <laughs> this is insane. This is not healthy. You know what's healthy, actually? <laughs> you know what's really healthy? Cut 18, please. I'm like a smart guy. You know, I'm really smart. I think I'm this a is, father. This is I'm better. I'm a very stable genius. All right, stop. I'm... Enough. That's better. That's better than this. White people beating up on themselves because they're white. And quite frankly, there are a few people of, in, of color in there, too, beating up on white people. This takes the cake, though. And it's getting worse. David Muir, the handsome one on WABC. He is very handsome. I'll give him that. Just stands there. Now listen to this. He almost sounds like he's pretending he's an actor. It's like uh, Ron Burgundy, an anchorman. I mean, listen to the voice. But listen to what the hell he's saying. You tell me, is this, this is on the National Evening News. This report, cut 25. The confrontation caught on video a white woman blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. <gasps> In St. Louis. Can I? Oh, my gosh. I'll always remember where I was when I heard that. It's like 9-11. Cut 25 one more time, please. The confrontation caught on video a white woman white. blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. Wow. I mean... Have you ever heard of such a thing? Two people getting into an argument. <gasps> yeah, of course I have. Wait a second. Oh, but uh, it's a white woman getting into an argument with a black man. You see? You see? Of course it's network news at night. Total insanity. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, turn down the music. We have a solemn announcement. Queen Elizabeth II is dead at the age of 96. It's happened. She is gone. Queen Elizabeth II. Wow, what a life, huh? 70 years or so on the throne, and she is dead. Her husband predeceases her by a couple of years, and, uh, well, uh, a good long life. Um, I'm sure she had her ups and downs, but let's face it, (laughs) it's kind of a sweet life, right? I mean, good for her. Being the queen, being the prince, being the princess, that's a, that's a, that's a good deal. Uh, if you want to know more about her, I really do recommend watching The Crown. Uh, it's a very well-done series on Netflix if you haven't canceled Netflix yet. Uh, queen Elizabeth II is dead. Uh, she did have a very special and warm relationship with Donald Trump, and I think that's, um, that's great. Uh, he appreciated her very much. I told you about all the way back to when... Uh, growing up there in Queens, and his mother watched her coronation on television. It's one of the things that really kind of, in effect, made Donald Trump who he is. And a master of television, by the way. He saw the power of it. It's one of the first times he had ever been exposed, really, to television and watching people watch something so far away. So uh, the Queen, can we hear a little bit of the Queen? This is her a few years ago. I think this is when she was saying, uh, welcome to the country, to Donald Trump. Welcome to the palace. Let's go ahead. Mr. President, I'm delighted to welcome you and Mrs. Trump to Buckingham Palace this evening, just 12 months after our first meeting at Windsor. Visits by American presidents always remind us of the close and long-standing friendship between the United Kingdom and the United States. And I'm so glad that we have another opportunity to demonstrate the immense importance that both our countries attach to our relationship. 
Well, it's very beautiful. And you know what? There was something more than just niceties and protocol. You can see it in the photographs. There's genuine uh, affection between the two. Uh, here's Donald Trump saluting the queen. In April 1945, newspapers featured a picture of the queen mother visiting the woman's branch of the army, watching a young woman repair a military truck engine. That young mechanic was the future queen, a great, great woman. Her Majesty inspired her compatriots in that fight to support the troops, defend her homeland, and defeat the enemy at all costs. Um, I have the official statement from Buckingham Palace right here. Queen, it's, it says all the same stuff. Queen Elizabeth II, 1926 to 2022. Her Majesty the Queen. The Queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. That's that Scottish palace she likes so much. The King and the Queen consort will remain at Balamore this evening and will return to London tomorrow. Oh, so Charles is the King. Yeah, Charles is the king. That means Charles is the king. I forgot about that. Prince Charles he is now King Charles and the queen consort. What does that mean? Is that Camilla? Consort sounds a little bit, uh, hmm. Well, what else can you say? What else can we say? What do, what can you do? She's gone. And uh, a good long life. And she was very committed to her country. I really don't have that much else to say other than, all right, I'm sorry, you know, every life, there was a bit of tension between her and Diana, and she didn't make Diana feel very welcome at times. We're told, but who knows? Who knows what's going on inside a family? Um, Diana, I don't think, met the queen halfway. I'm pretty sure the queen met Diana halfway, but I don't think the, the Diana met the queen halfway. Uh, oh, here she is talking about COVID. Uh, queen Elizabeth II on COVID two years ago, cut 45. I'm speaking to you at what I know is an increasingly challenging time, a time of disruption in the life of our country, a disruption that has brought grief to some, financial difficulties to many, and enormous changes to the daily lives of us all. I want to thank everyone on the NHS frontline, as well as care workers and those carrying out essential roles who selflessly continue their day-to-day duties outside the home. Thank you, Queen. In support of us all. I'm sure the nation will join me in assuring you that what you do is appreciated and every hour of your hard work brings us closer to a return to more normal times. All right. Well said. Uh, What else do they do all day long? Seriously, I mean, they... It's got to be a very curious position to have because you were born into it, right? You, not through any achievement, not through your character, not through this, not through that. It's just given to you. It's got to be a weird thing. And in some, I don't know, Harry, We all do we like Harry anymore? Look, I'm going to leave it alone now. I really don't have much else to say. Seemed like a nice lady. Oh, one time they did meet my parents, and I do remember this, but Prince Philip, the late Prince Philip, said to my father, who was police commissioner at the time, he says, what keeps you up at night? And my father told me, he said, I said, what would you say? He said, nuclear proliferation, you know, the spread of nuclear weapons. And I said, really? Does that keep you up at night? 
And he kind of said, what, did, what was I supposed to say, the dog next door? <laughs> I guess that was great. You know, you got to give the you got to give the prince some sort of an answer. You're the police commissioner and he wants to know. All right. Does anybody I think we're going to be OK, though. I think we're going to be all right. Uh, wait, I want more. We have anything else. Uh, did we go through all of them? Yeah, I guess we have. Uh, she's gone and there's nothing we can do about it. There's going to be funerals galore and uh, ceremony. And that's good. That's right. Um, Mike, you got any thoughts on this thing? It's OK if you don't. Oh, you're in St. No, not that Mike. The other Mike, the Mike from Comac. Hi, Mike. Hey, how are you, Greg? Good. Nice to me. Um, again, uh, sad to hear about the uh, the Queen. Uh, God bless her and her family. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, let's face it. I mean, and I'm not trying to be irreverent or anything like that, but 96, it's amazing. It's just an amazing life. And she dies peacefully surrounded by folks. I mean, this is a celebration. This is a victory. This is a this is the ultimate. It's great. Like for her, I mean, like this is the way people would love to die. I heard recently. Not, this is also a pretty good way to go if you think about it. A ninety-year-old man, ninety-one-year-old man. You know how he died? He died. He fell off of a private jet backwards, and he cracked his head. That sounds bad, but you know what? What a way to go. I mean, I would lo- like. I just, anyway. All right, Mike, what else? Uh, as long as it's painless. And getting back to uh, D- Donald Trump, let's see how the mainstream media, you know, uh, how they say talk about the relationship between the queen and, 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 the, and the Mr. President, you know? Amazing. I doubt you're going to hear a thing, hear anything about it. Nah, maybe not. Anything else? Uh, no, no, but uh, listen, God bless you and your family. I got a note here that said you had some sort of uh, something to say about uh, generals. It's part, well, yeah, it's one thing about, uh, I was wanting to know about your thoughts about General Schwarzkopf. Oh, Storm and Norman? Uh, no, I don't really don't know much about Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf. I know he's dead. I know he was the uh, commanding general during the Iraq War, the first Iraq War, uh, American forces. His dad was a big shot in the New York, New Jersey State Police was one of the investigators related to the Lindbergh baby case. I do remember this, Norman Norman. He was a little bit overweight. And that's kind of a problem when you're in the military. It is. You're just not supposed to be overweight. And and it's really bad when you're the general in charge, quite frankly, just like General Milley. Anyway, he was said to be an organizational genius, and uh, he helped win decisively um, the Gulf War, Gulf War One. Why do you bring him up? Oh, no, I, I have a lot of respect for you know, Colin Powell, but I remember Schwarzkopf was an integral part of the uh, Gulf War, and I just wanted to find out what your thoughts are on him. I understand that he actually wanted to go in and invade Iraq and go right after Hussein, and uh, President Bush put a stop to that. I wasn't, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that's something that I heard. It's something that he actually said. He said it during an interview that it was his inclination to go all the way to Baghdad. Now, that's one of the things you say after the fact, you know what I mean? Or maybe he was thinking it. Did he stand? Did he, you know, tell President Bush, we must go to Baghdad? I highly doubt that. These guys, you got to remember, to be a general, well, in the old days, and I think you had to be a leader like Schwarzkopf, but you had to be something of a kiss-ass as well, all right? That's that's often overlooked. You know the type, the type that gets the uh, advancement, the promotion, often, not always, but often, they know how to kiss butt, right? Absolutely. I agree. Happens in the military as well. Thanks, Mike. Uh, lots of people are pouring into the streets of London in front of Buckingham Palace. 
I've been to London a few times. Uh, great place. I can't quite frankly, the whole the royal family thing. Oh, did you see the new prime minister, Liz Truss? Is that her name? She just met her a moment ago. She just presented her credentials. I can't believe it that Charles is the king. Charles is the king. I don't know why that King Charles. That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty impressive. When's the last time we had a king of uh, England? When? Uh, in the 1950s or something. George, King George, was it? It's a long time ago. Uh, good for good for Charles. He deserved the promotion. Um, uh, yeah. All right, going back to my earlier thing. I, I don't know. I, oh, you know what I'm probably going to do? I'm probably going to call up Trump and see what he thought about all this. Let's see if I can get him talking about it. Um, because I think you know, he's much, much better than than Biden when it comes to this stuff. All right, we were going through the white women's stuff. And, uh, oh, listen to this. Cut 26, please. New video shows the disturbing attack in downtown Crossing. A 20-year-old woman beaten and kicked by a group of juveniles while she's already down. One of them as young as 12 years old. So after the fact, you know what they found out? They were beating her and kicking her because she had her hair in what they thought was a white woman style. They didn't like, uh, what is that, Becky with the good hair? They didn't like that it was uh, like a white woman. So they kicked the hell out of her. Where would they have gotten these messages, these ideas, huh? (laughs) Try Barack Obama. Try mainstream media. Try American culture, the corrupt part of American culture. This whole Karen thing, totally disgusting. And I was actually appalled to see Barack Obama back at the White House yesterday. In the middle of the afternoon, with all the crime, all the problems we have, and what are those problems— uh, crime out of control. Hunter Biden, we haven't gotten to the bottom of that. We haven't fixed the Pentagon because uh, after Afghanistan, we are obscenely abusing children with this woke gender stuff. The supply chain is all screwed up. I see Pete Buttigieg is still doing the Tonight Show. Uh, what else? We have no border. We have inflation out of control. We have disunity. We have gas prices out of control. And we have uh, no respect. We command no respect throughout the world. You would think that a Wednesday afternoon at about 2 o'clock would be time to get work done. But no, we looked at this two new, totally unnecessary portraits of Barack and Michelle Obama. I thought we already had, we already have hundreds of these things, but we needed two more. And uh, Obama took the occasion to thank Joe Biden for how well everything is going. Cut 27. You have guided us through some perilous times. You've built on and gone beyond the work we all did together to expand health care, to fight climate change, to advance social justice, and to promote economic fairness. Thanks to your decency and thanks to your strength. Maybe most of all, thanks to your faith in our democracy and the American people. The country's better off than when you took office, and we should all be deeply grateful for that. So thank you so much. Wow, huh? Things are better off since he's took office, right? Uh, what a joke. He's torn us apart. He's torn us apart, and he's done it on purpose. And I think Barack Obama himself has a lot to do with that. How do you thank a guy like Joe Biden for what he's done? You know, I was looking at Obama and Biden there yesterday together, 
they handled the or the choreography of it all very carefully because the last time Obama showed up at the White House, remember everybody wanted to meet him, and Joe was like, <laughs> Joe was just left to his own devices, just walking off to the corner, you know, killing time. Anyway, um, Obama did not endorse Biden for president, did not support him for president in 2016 because he went with Hillary. Why did he do that? Because he knew about all the shenanigans, all the shenanigans, the entire Obama White House did. They were freaked out. There were there were emails about it. There were meetings. There were phone calls. So Joe Biden is in charge of Ukraine policy. And Hunter just got a job with Burisma. They knew that Hunter was addicted to crack and hookers and doing all kinds of crazy stuff all over the world. If you can't control your own son from doing that stuff, hey, and the laptop. There's a new movie. Are we going to see this movie or what? Somebody saw it already in our audience. Sandra, I believe. The movie is called My Son Hunter. And go to mysonhunter.com. I'm probably going to watch it this weekend. I've already seen the trailer. And it looks delish. It looks delish. All right. Anything else to say? Uh, The queen is dead. Long live the queen. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, remember, uh, if you or I come across, well, the president of the United States has classified documents. A president, President Trump. Every president, former or otherwise, has this stuff, all right? But when now there is because it's Trump, they're trying to put him in jail. When they get it, when the fake news gets classified documents, they put it in the newspaper, they say they're heroes to themselves, and they give each other awards. Anybody see the movie The Post? Probably not. It's about the Washington Post back when they published the. Pentagon Papers, right after the New York Times did. I thought that's they, they were the ones who had the story, not the Washington Post, but whatever. There was this big Steven Spielberg movie about the Post and how what heroes they were. Why? For publishing classified information. Cut 29. Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep are in this movie. Cut 29. This is a devastating security breach that was leaked out of the Pentagon. The most highly classified documents of the war. I'm talking about exposing years of government secrets. Is that legal? What is it you think we do here for a living, kid? If you publish, we'll be at the Supreme Court next week. We don't hold them accountable. Who will? We can't hold them accountable if we don't have a newspaper. She can't do this. The legacy of the company is at stake. What will happen if we don't publish? We will lose. The country will lose. The Post. See what heroes there? If we don't publish this classified information, the country will lose. What about going to jail? (laughs) You guys are hassling Donald Trump. Was he publishing this stuff? No. It was under lock and key. Oh, that reminds me. What's her name? Kristen Welker, the worst reporter in the world. The worst reporter in the world. Uh, Just like, I mean, she's just, mm, they're all bad. But she's just particularly, listen to her hyperventilate, right? They're just trying to hype things all the time. Cut 32. The documents contain information about such highly classified operations. They require special clearances on a need-to-know basis, not just top-secret clearance, and are often kept under lock and key. (gasps) Lock and key. Just like President Trump had these documents under lock and key. Like, that's a big deal. That's a real 
a sophisticated security operation. Lock and key, saying it's like the most special thing. This is what they do. They exaggerate with their voice. Cut 34. Let me ask some follow-up. Please respond. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. Uh, Cut 33. Cut 33. Overnight, a stunning new twist after last month's search at Mar-a-Lago. Tonight, a surprise decision in the battle over whether to release the affidavit behind the search warrant of Mar-a-Lago. It comes amid dramatic new details <gasps> about the FBI's move to execute a search warrant at Mar-a-Lago. I this feel morning, scared. A new twist in the battle between former President Donald Trump and the federal government over those classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. This is a mouthpiece for the Department of Justice, the corrupt Department of Justice. Now she's working for them. Before that, she worked for the Democrat National Committee, doing all their bidding. And we, there were 50 million witnesses to this, by the way. Did you watch the debate? And then you saw her. This was the second debate, I think. she Did she moderate the first or the second? The second debate. And just as Donald Trump is bringing up the laptop from hell, which we know now is a real thing, they covered, they covered for Joe Biden. Listen to how they desperately try to change the subject back to... Guess what? Race relations. Cut 34. Let me ask some follow-up. Please respond, if and then we're going to have follow-up. If this is true questions. about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq, if this is true, then he's a corrupt politician. All right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. Joe, they're calling you a corrupt politician. Nobody's hey, President Trump, I want to stay hell. on the issue Excuse of race. Me. We're Take talking about the, the issue. from hell. President Trump, Nobody. we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay on the issue of race. How the hell dare you? Were you elected president? It's amazing that she actually got credit for a well-run debate. Kristen Welker, Kirsten Welker. An ego vain maniac like the rest of them shutting down a president of the United States who wants to talk about a real issue, the laptop. They said, as soon as he says anything about the laptop, you be sure to shut that down. Change the conversation right away. That's misinformation. That's Russia disinformation, misinformation. Just amazing. Uh, There's something else here. Never trust. Ah, no, I'm going to skip that for now. All right. The queen is dead. And this is kind of funny, actually. You watch the networks. They're all tap dancing for... They're going to do this for hours. Banners after banner after banner. Queen Elizabeth II dies at age 96. They show... They got the flag trained on the half-mast... The camera on the half-mast flag. What do they call the flag over there? They don't call it a flag. They call it the Union Jack. The... What the hell? What? Union Jack. By the way, the British flag, there is a right side up and an upside down. you got to do it the right way. And to this day, I have no idea how they figure out upside from downside. Uh, do you guys? Um, I don't think I don't think it's possible. Um, this is Carol Lenig from MSNBC. Like so many others, remember they're all... Eh, screw that. I mean, they're always wrong, period. Oh, but remember this. Michelle Obama is definitely running for president. Definitely running. Cut 36, please. What we're looking at today, a portrait of a biracial kid with an unusual name (laughs) and the daughter of a water pump operator and a stay-at-home mom. What we are seeing is a reminder that there's a place for everyone in this country. Yeah, that old story which is boring and old, and we already knew it. Abe Lincoln was dirt poor, right? Literally dirt poor. They had dirt for the floor. They were so poor. We've known this about America for a long time, but 
They're going to try to con everybody on that story all over again. And by the way, she had it pretty good as a kid, and that's fine. Solidly middle class. Her dad was no water pump operator. He was a politically connected operative for Democrats in Chicago. It's true. It's true. All right, there's the music. We've got fried chicken in-house. Is that right? I heard about a, we have a catered lunch for some reason. I'll be right back. I'm going to see what this is about. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. <clears throat> Pardon me. Well, um, Queen Elizabeth II, I'm sure, is in heaven right now, and that's a beautiful thing. Long life. Hey, it's going to be really awkward when Harry gets back. Harry and Meghan, oh, boy, they're going to feel like real chumps. Where did they get booed? They came home not too long ago, and they got booed for some reason. Was it another funeral or somebody got married, but everybody was making fun of them? I think it might have been Pippa's wedding. Remember Pippa? Hey, Bill Barr, uh, everybody says out there, and Levin was making this point, and he's right. Um, you know, The important thing is to not talk about Trump. It's to talk about the issues, right, the issues. And the issues right now are incredibly favorable to Republicans, I mean, Joe Biden and the Democrats seem to be committed to destroying America, right? With the crime, uh, with uh, the Afghanistan loss, with the obscene obsession with gender, supply chain all screwed up, no border, inflation out of control, disunity, gas prices, commanding absolutely no respect around the world. I would say there's a lot to uh, dig into, right? Yet Bill Barr is supposed to be one of those Republicans who's all about the issues and not about uh, Trump. But here he is. He's back all over the place, undermining Trump publicly. What about those issues? No, let's talk about Trump. Cut 30. If, in fact, he sort of stood over uh, scores of boxes, not really knowing what was in them, and said, I hereby declassify everything in here, that would be such an abuse uh, and, uh, uh, that, uh, and su- show such recklessness that it's almost worse than taking the document. People say this was unprecedented. Well, it's also unprecedented for a president to take all this classified information and put him in a country club. I don't think the appointment of a special uh, master is going to hold up. But even if it does, I don't see it fundamentally changing the trajectory. Hey, thanks a lot, Bill. What the hell happened to him? He is just trying to ingratiate himself all over again with the swamp. And again from Levin, he said, hey, can you imagine, is it possible that the Attorney General Barr never took a classified document with him home overnight or read something in the car? That those uh, vehicles are not uh, they're not skiffs. They're not uh, secretly secret, secure locations. But you can't have those documents in there. You know, it's one of those things. If you follow letter of the law, you won't be able to even move. You won't be able to do anything. Classification stuff is a bit of a racket. Overclassification. Trillions of documents have been classified. Hey, I had top. I, no, I didn't have top secret clearance. I had secret clearance. I couldn't see top secret stuff. And did you know one of the first things I did when I became the, uh, what, are the, the what was my collateral duty i wasn't the intelligence officer i was the classified documents officer i guess at my squadron i was a pilot there but i had all these other things i had to do i was in charge of logistics and i was in charge of all the secret stuff the secret documents you know there were discussions and papers on soviet era weapon systems and that kind of thing stuff that was 
still available in the uh, in the third world. You know, just uh, stuff about the enemy's weapons and our capabilities. A lot of it was classified, but a lot of it was unnecessary and old and out of date. So what did I do? I destroyed the stuff. Legally, I got authorization, but I destroyed about half of what we had because there was just too damn much of it, and it was useless. That's, uh, anyway, isn't it amazing? And Bill Barr knows what really was at stake in 2020. Bill Barr knows. Listen to this. This is uh, September of 2020. We're just a few weeks away from the election. He knows that everybody is changing the rules mid-campaign, that laws are being broken all over the place, especially in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Ballot drop boxes. Yeah, put your vote in this unattended box. We don't even mail letters like that, right? You mail a letter. It's in a metal box. It's been there forever. It's under lock and key. And what's inside, who knows? It could be uh, grandma's birthday card. It could be diamonds. It could be a coupon. It could be something very, very expensive or worthless. But when you have ballot boxes, ballots drop here in this unattended flimsy plastic box, that's not safe. And even the postman, I guess, wasn't allowed to go in there. You know who was allowed to go in there? Election officials. Now, when have they ever not been uh, partisan? So Bill Barr knew all this stuff. And he wasn't afraid at this point in his life to talk about it. Cut 31. So far, we haven't seen widespread Fraud, but so far we haven't tried it. Well, and the point is, but a lot of us, uh, there are several states that only have mail-in voting, including a Republican. Well, state this is like playing Utah. with fire. This I want is to... playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. The prime minister. And if people have to this. have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government. And people trying to change the rules to this to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion is reckless and dangerous, and the people are playing with fire. Reckless and dangerous. As a matter of logic, we're not conspiracy theorists. This is logic. This is rational thought. Of course, if you change the rules like that and you use COVID as an excuse. All right, I'd like to hear what the prime minister is saying uh, in the U.K. She just, uh, I think we're going to miss it if we dilly-dally too much. This is Liz Truss, the brand-new 47-year-old prime minister and the queen the boss of the country, the one she just checked in with a few days ago, is now dead. And Charles is the – is he automatically the king or does he have to undergo a, a special thing? I, I, it's okay. Just get the – do we have the prime minister? All right. Well, it's she's talking to everybody right now, and now she's done. She's going back into 10 Downing Street. One statement and done. What do you say? There's not much to say. 96 years old. I mean, it was time, right? It was probably time. Do you know anybody who's ever lived to 100? No, we missed it. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, I mean it's not a big deal. It's just fine. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not sad about it. I'm not. Should I be? Maybe. Oh, I am going to play you this real quick. Listen to this know-it-all. This is a reporter for the Washington Post. And I know that she makes mistakes like crazy. She makes mistakes in books. When she writes books, she makes mistakes. So if somebody gives her some information the night before and she's got four hours to write it, I bet she's going to make a hell of a lot more mistakes. Carol Lenig, I think is her name. She wrote a book called Zero Fail, The Rise and Fall of the Secret Service. And she unloads on the Secret Service, right? One bad thing they've done after the next. Um, But off the top of my head, as I was reading this book, I was appalled. She got so many things wrong, so many basic provable things wrong. 
On page 35, she talks about the Texas hotel where Kennedy spent his last uh, night alive. She calls it a Beau Art style hotel in Texas. It's not Beau Art style. It's anything but. Beau Arts is like that real ornate thing usually built around the turn of the century. No, it's nothing. It's like I think it was like state uh, state contemporary. She got the style wrong. Page 84, the Warren Commission met at a Capitol Hill row house. No, they did not. They met in an office building. It was an office building that I think was um, affiliated with the VFW. Uh, let's see here. Uh, page 113. Gerald Ford had a home on Quaker Lane in Alexandria, Virginia. No, he did not. It was Crown View Drive. That was the name of the street. Obama represented a central Illinois district. Uh, No, he was not in central Illinois. He was in Chicago. That's not central Illinois. That's northeast Illinois. He, Obama, represented just 600,000 people. Really? 600,000 people? Wrong. He he represented about 60,000 people. Uh, Somebody named Ortega drove from Chicago to Washington. Got there late at night after driving more than 3,000 miles. It's not 3,000 miles between Chicago and Washington, D.C. You don't have to look up a map to see that. And uh, just mistake after mistake after mistake. But they put her on the news. And uh, she's all confident. And uh, she sounds like this. And so you know, well, you know that she makes mistakes like crazy. Cut 35. There are two buckets of documents that we discovered and thought was newsworthy enough to publish this story. The first bucket was information that describes or details a foreign government's nuclear capability. The second bucket of records that we learned were extraordinarily sensitive and seized at Trump's Mar-a-Lago club. Wow. Do you believe her? Has she seen the documents? No. Somebody is telling her something. Now, why won't, uh, why won't they tell us? Why do they just tell the Washington Post? Well, there's a damn good chance they're lying, even to the Washington Post, or they're making stuff up. I remember Merrick Garland walking off after he made that announcement two weeks ago, how it was somehow beneath him to take questions and to ensure the integrity of the process. He would not take questions. But they will leak all kinds of crazy stuff all over the place. No accountability whatsoever. Oh, and when they get classified material uh, on their own, they freely publish it. And they glorify themselves. They give themselves Pulitzer Prizes. They make movies about themselves. Uh, They get people like Meryl Streep and um, Tom Hanks to play them in the movies. Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. One of the worst things that ever happened in this country was the total BS story of... uh, Woodward and Bernstein and Watergate. Talk about fake news. Anybody who knows anything about Watergate knows that that is a great big crock of crap. And deep throat. Deep throat and circling the page 19 of the metro section of the paper and a flag on the balcony and all that stuff. It's crap. They made it up. Not dreaming that they'd ever be called out on it. They just wanted to make a quick buck. And some editor or some girlfriend of theirs said, you got to make this uh, very boring story seem interesting because this is a bad story. It's not interesting. Uh, hey, Lorraine is standing by in Rockville Center. Hello. Hello. Hi. I'm here. Yeah. My thought is, is that I'm tired of hearing on the left and the right 
putting up men who are way past the age that they should be governing this country. We need younger men under the age, at least under the age of 70, with new ideas, with enthusiasm, with a true love of this country. I am so ashamed of what we have as the stand bearers for this country. We could do much, much better. Uh, that sounds very ageist of you, quite frankly. Well, I'm sorry. That's the way it is. No, it's not. You know? No, it's a, not. No, it's not. When you're in your no, 70s, it's not. you're not at your peak. No, I it's am not. in my 70s. No, it's not. Lorraine, let me tell you something. Peak. You know who is, who is uh, young and beautiful and in his prime and had all kinds of uh, ostensibly new ideas? Barack Obama. Remember him? All of 44 years old with that beautiful family, right? Getting on the helicopter, going on, going home to the White House, 6 o'clock to have dinner with his beautiful children. I admit that's very picturesque. But I'll also tell you this. When you're a 44-year-old man, you are not allowed at a primal level. Your body will not allow you to put your country first at that level. You're going to put your family first and you're going to put your career first. It's just the way it is. That's the way human beings, if, if DeSantis becomes president, he's going to have a one eye on what the hell am I going to do when I'm not president anymore. The beautiful thing about Trump is fame, fortune, money, all the stuff that these guys want, he already has. And I see no sign of this guy in decline, none whatsoever. I just feel like he's at his peak and he has so much more to contribute. And I don't care how the hell old he is. I do think there's really something to making your money and then giving back. Adam Kinzinger, you think he's thinking about the country first? Has he ever? He's thinking about Adam first. You can make a career out of being a politician, a career politician. Lorraine, I'm sorry, but I think you're wrong on this one. Well, I think you are wrong, too. Well, Lorraine... How dare you call? No, I'm only kidding. Lorraine, tell me something nice about Rockefeller, uh, Rockville Center. Oh, she's gone with a huff, left in a huff. She was speechless. She could not. She could not combat me on the ideas. She she could not combat me with her own data or thought. I've thought about that many times. I just feel that I don't care. I just don't care. I, older people. Lorraine, you should know better. You're an older person yourself. You just said you're in your 70s. Maybe you have something to offer. Everybody else is just worried about, oh, gosh, office politics. Don't get me started on office politics. Oh, gosh, what a pain in the neck that is. Real quick, Jason is in Jersey City. Yes. Hey, what's up, Greg? Hey, um. You crack me up, man, every time you reference the Honeymooners, because I drive all my friends crazy because I watch the Honeymooners every Saturday night. And every time I see that bumbling idiot Joe Biden on TV trying to speak, it reminds me of Cramden when he used to do the humana, 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 humana thing. <laughs> Chef of the future. Yeah, it's good. Hey, Saturday night, where do you watch it on Saturday? What is it on Channel 11? No, it's on MeTV after, after Sven Gullian Star Trek. Huh, I got to get this me TV. Sounds like a great lineup. Yeah, I like the Honeymooners. It is possibly the perfect TV show. Perfection. Um, uh, 
possibly overlooking the occasional threats of domestic violence, it is still a great, great, great TV show. I'll check out MeTV, Jason, and thank you. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Everybody is saying that uh, Charles is now the king. I guess it happened automatically. But I have a feeling there's going to be a big uh, ceremony as well. There's going to be a big ceremony. And they'll put the big crown on his head. And he'll be, you know, it's like getting married twice. You know, you have a ceremony. You have this ceremony. You have one in the city hall. Then you have a reception. Then you have that reception. Sometimes they do. Like J-Lo and uh, Ben Affleck. They've been married like six times already. Seriously, they had one in Malibu, they had one in Puerto Rico, they had one in Vegas. And I think it's going to be like that for the king. Um, all right, dead. Uh, ooh, now we have Camilla. Remember Camilla? He always loved Camilla more than Diana. And unfortunately, well, these things happen, I guess, sometimes. But uh, Charles was still fooling around with Camilla, even after he was married to Diana. Uh, ultimately, we know what happened to Diana, and now he married... Um, Camilla. Camilla is the queen consort, which sounds a little risque, actually, if you ask me. Uh, a queen consort is the wife of a reigning king or an empress consort in the case of an emperor. A queen consort usually shares her spouse's social rank and status. She holds the feminine equivalent of the king's monarchical, monarchical, mon, oh, shoot, monarchical. That doesn't sound right. It's not right. I know what monarchy is, but I don't know what this. I don't know how to say this word. Monarchical. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't even look right. Anyway, um, I, good for her. She got a promotion. She got a promotion, and that's great. Uh, as for us, I really do want to talk to Donald Trump about this. What he's thinking. Uh, he met her. He's uh, spent time with her. They're very, very. Um, there was a connection, a real connection. Everybody else in the royal family was horrified by Trump. You know, just because they were just watching the fake news all the time. Um, but she really could feel the warmth, the respect, the love. Even remember, Donald Trump's mother, Mary McLeod, is from Scotland. And uh, when the queen became the queen in the early 1950s, she watched the whole thing on television in her living room in Queens, uh, the house in Queens that still stands. Uh, here's Queen Elizabeth welcoming President Trump to Buckingham Palace, cut 46. Mr. President, I'm delighted to welcome you and Mrs. Trump to Buckingham Palace this evening, just 12 months after our first meeting at Windsor. Visits by American presidents always remind us of the close and long-standing friendship between the United Kingdom and the United States. And I'm so glad that we have another opportunity to demonstrate the immense importance that both our countries attach to our relationship. Beautifully said, Queen. And then Trump got up and said something very nice. Cut 47. Ladies and gentlemen, no, 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 no. No, um, make it cut 40, uh, where the hell is he talking about? Ah, cut 40 gate. In April 1945, newspapers featured a picture of the Queen Mother visiting the woman's branch of the Army, watching a young woman repair a military truck engine. That young mechanic was the future Queen, a great, great woman. Her Majesty inspired 
her compatriots in that fight to support the troops, defend her homeland, and defeat the enemy at all costs. That's it. He was just warming up. All right. That's it. That's all we that's all we bothered to get. That's OK. That's all right. Um, uh, that's going to happen. That's going to dominate the news. I'm not going to take my eye off the midterms, though. Uh, we're going to do fine. We're going to do great. But remember, if you want to help, if you want to do something other than vote, um, give money. Give money to Lee Zeldin. Give money to Dr. Raz. Give money to Carrie Lake. Give money to these people. Ten dollars. Twenty dollars. That actually makes more of a difference. And by the way, if you feel lonely, um, you start giving these donations, making these donations, they are going to be calling you back and sending you emails. It's really not that bad. They don't call as much as they email you all the time. And they're very clever with these emails. Sometimes they even get me opening it uh, because it looks like it's a personal email from you-know-who, okay, from the president, from the vice president, from somebody very important. And and you open it up, and then you realize, okay, it's a mass email. But it gets you thinking, all right? Hey, what did Winston Churchill say? Democracy is the worst system in the world, except for all the others, okay? It's not perfect, and I wish money wasn't part of it, but it is. And if you want to make a difference, a couple of dollars can make the difference. Better be it small from a lot of people than big from one person. I'll be back. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, pardon me. Pardon me. All right. So we want to listen to the new prime minister. Uh, her name is Truss, T-R-U-S-S. Is this the next Margaret Thatcher? I hope so. She seems pretty good to me. Conservative, only 47 years old, huh? And uh, here it is, the week, first week on the job, um, the Queen dies. Let's hear what she had to say. We are all devastated by the news that we have just heard from Balmoral. The death of Her Majesty the Queen is a huge shock to the nation and to the world. Queen Elizabeth II was the rock on which modern Britain was built. Our country has grown and flourished under her reign. Britain is the great country it is today because of her. She ascended the throne just after the Second World War. She championed the development of the Commonwealth from a small group of seven countries to a family of 56 nations spanning every continent of the world. We are now a modern, thriving, dynamic nation. Through thick and thin, Queen Elizabeth II provided us with the stability and the strength that we needed. She was the very spirit of Great Britain, and that spirit will endure. She has been our longest ever reigning monarch. It's an extraordinary achievement to have presided with such dignity and grace for 70 years. Her, la- her life of service stretched beyond most of our living memories. In return, she was loved and admired by the people in the United Kingdom and all around the world. She has been a personal inspiration to me and to many Britons. Her devotion to duty is an example to us all. Earlier this week, at 96, she remained determined to carry out her duties as she appointed me 
as her 15th Prime Minister. Throughout her life, she's visited more than 100 countries and she has touched the lives of millions around the world. In the difficult days ahead, we will come together with our friends across the United Kingdom, the Commonwealth and the world to celebrate her extraordinary lifetime of service. It is a day of great loss, but Queen Elizabeth II leaves a great legacy. Today, the crown passes, as it has done for more than a thousand years, to our new monarch, our new head of state, His Majesty, King Charles III. With the King's family, we mourn the loss of his mother. And as we mourn, we must come together as a people to support him, to help him bear the awesome responsibility that he now carries for us all. We offer him our loyalty and devotion, just as his mother devoted so much to so many for so long. And with the passing of the second Elizabethan age, we usher in a new era in the magnificent history of our great country, exactly as Her Majesty would have wished, by saying the words, God save the King. Wow. Good for her, Prime Minister. Nicely done. And good luck to uh, King Charles. Sounds kind of funny, right? Prince Charles. Now it's King Charles. Uh, how much luck do you need, though? I mean, it's a pretty easy job. You don't have to. I mean, you just got to. It's very ceremonial. He's not calling the shots. You know, he signs off on a bunch of things. He's got his hands full with Harry and Meghan. I don't think there's going to be much else that he can do. But it's a ceremonial post, and there's a lot of history there. So uh, good luck to them. And uh, <clears throat> that's about it. That's, I think, all I'll have to say about it. Until tonight, actually. I am going to show some some footage of um, uh, the Queen and Trump together. And I'm actually going to show Trump's house when he was a kid. And Mary McLeod, Trump's mother, and read from this interesting book about how that was so important in the Trump household. And I might even talk to President Trump himself about all of this, that would be nice. Um, all right, back to back to basics here. Pennsylvania, I am tired of hearing quibbling about Dr. Oz. You know, oh, Dr. Oz, I don't know. I mean, he was friends with Oprah, and we don't like Oprah. Oh, give me a break, okay? Donald, hey, Donald Trump is friends with Oprah. Millions of pictures of those guys together. It's not why you, you know, the, the whole damn country is on, and you want to, because he had some faux pas in a grocery store, you know, oh, Dr. Oz, I don't know. I really like that. Kathy Barnett. Kathy Barnett, I told you guys she was a fraud. She should be out there campaigning like crazy for Dr. Oz. Instead, no. She is sitting on her hands. Or what's her latest grift? I don't know. Uh, but Donald Trump certainly has the number of Fetterman cut 21. Fetterman may dress like a teenager getting high in his parents' basement. But he's a raging lunatic hell-bent on springing hardened criminals out of jail in the middle of the worst crime wave in Pennsylvania history. He wants everybody out of jail. He wants everybody out of jail? He does. How about that? Just nailing the guy. He may look like he's a teenager getting high in his parents' basement, but he is a raging lunatic. And you know what? He doesn't sound very good. Uh, This man had a stroke a couple of months ago. And it's obviously affecting him. And it's not like you have your finger on the button when you're a U.S. senator, but 
I think you got to be able to talk coherently, and this is a bit of a mess. Cut 22. Please understand the stakes in this race. Send me to Washington, D.C. to send so I can work with Senator Casey and I can champion the union way of life in Jersey, in, excuse me, in D.C. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's an honor. I live eight minutes away from here. And when I leave tonight, I got three miles away. Dr. Oz in his mansion in New Jersey. You've got a friend and you have an ally. Send me to Washington, D.C. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steelworkers. He comes off like a child who just really wants to see Washington, D.C. to like go on a tour or something like that. Just go. Just go to Washington, D.C. He is a crazy person, that guy. His policies. And now, I mean, uh, the, the dumb. Uh, only, I knew it. There was something so wrong about him when he took his official picture as lieutenant governor. And he's wearing a conspicuously cheap, like he went out of his way to find a bad shirt or a work shirt. You know, the kind of thing that you fix the boiler room wearing. You know, it's one thing, but you got to dress up for a, a photo like that. Unless you're a rich kid and you're trying to make a point. That was my that was my thought. That was my takeaway. And then I found out, sure enough, John Fetterman of Pennsylvania is just a rich kid getting checks, big checks from his parents. He's 50-something years old at this point. 50-something years old. How else could he be that arts and crafts coordinator at that podunk town in Pennsylvania? Uh and and support himself in a pretty sweet loft, by the way. He's got a huge loft that apparently his bitch, his sister bought for him. Imagine that. Spout, siblings buying you stuff like that. Uh, my brother and I, we're very close, but we don't even get each other Christmas gifts anymore. I mean, we're kind of beyond that. You know what I mean? I don't need anything anyway. I got my iPhone. Everything's in there. Hey, have you seen the new iPhone? Not impressed. It's just... Uh, I don't know. How good can they make this camera? I'm sorry. I'm not going to wait online for a new one. Although I noticed that my phone right now is going haywire. You know, just stopping. What do they call it? Planned obsolescence. Somehow, Apple knows how old my phone is. They know that they have a new one available right now, and it's encouraging me. They've actually proven this with all their software glitches. They always happen right around now to make you want to buy a new phone. And I am not into the Apple Watch. No, thank you. I'll take care of my body myself. I'll maintain it, I'll enhance it, or I'll destroy it all on my own. I don't need Apple's help. All the bells and whistles and telling me to sit up, sit down, recording me, asking me if I want to find out something on the web. And it's just, it's too much. Now, I would like a new iPad. I would very much like a new iPad. Those things are very beautiful machines. I haven't used a computer in, in, in quite a long time. So Fetterman, you stink, and so does Kathy Katie Hobbs in Arizona. We've got some really great superstar Republicans. And you know what's happening? They don't want to debate their Republican competitors. And that goes for Kathy Hochul here. Did you see her over the weekend marching with Al Sharpton? She was marching in the West Indian Day Parade with Al Sharpton. After all this time, after all we know about him, she wants to hang out with that guy. As Michael Goodwin says, she's running a uh, 
what do you call it, the Rose Garden type strategy. You know, look at me. I'm the governor. I'm being gubernatorial. Uh, whereas Lee Zeldin is working his ass off trying to get the word out there and trying to save this state. Um, I went on the subway again today. Slightly better than yesterday, but not great. Not great. The guy across from me was jittery as hell. He was really, I said, are you okay? He said, oh, I don't know, I'm a little nervous down here. I said, all right, I get it. I know, me too, but, you know, don't convey that. <laughs> you don't want anybody to see that you're nervous, right? You got to keep it a little bit uh, a little bit under wraps. All right, uh, Bob, you're in Trumbull, Connecticut. Hey, you're the guy. I tried to hook you up. I sent Pete to go find your wife, but she blew him off, apparently. Bob, what happened? She made it. She was brave and took her bags and walked down to the street to the other station. She was supposedly in an enclosed area. She got her train. She made it to Virginia. And, guys, thank you for straightening me out and helping me. Well... Okay, I mean, Bob, no problem. But, you know, we we sent Pete over there and nobody even bothered nobody even I, bothered to call him up. He's standing there like a schmuck. Called him. Who did? I called him. Well, and, he wanted to hear from your wife. Yeah, I told her to call him. Um and she said something about where she was and the phone was in her bag and because I called her half a dozen times. She didn't call me back. And I said, well, call Pete and tell him you made it. And I called him when I... All right. I get it. I get I it. I get it. I get it. Hey, anyway, look, the important thing is she's in Virginia. And uh, I, I knew at first I thought you were a prank phone calling me. I got to be honest, Bob. But then... uh. The more I learned, I realized, okay, this is a legit deal, and you were genuinely concerned, and so was I. I couldn't have anything happen to her. So I'm glad she made it. What a brave woman. She, For everybody listening, she had to walk from Grand Central to Penn Station. She's not familiar with New York. She didn't want to be in New York. I don't blame her. She was on her way to Virginia, but Amtrak wasn't working right, so she had to take Metro North and then move, then walk or get to Penn Station. I suggested the subway. Uh, and then when that seemed kind of problematic, we sent Pete, our trusty Pete, who works in the tech booth here. We sent him over in person uh, to handle the situation. And, well, you just heard how it got a little bit uh, complicated and they never rendezvoused. But the important part is she's in Virginia. Thank you, Bob. Greg, Greg. What? L- Lorraine wanted older people to be in uh, politics. No, she wants younger I, people to be in politics. Yeah, well, I want you to forget about this mayor thing, I want you in the Senate. Uh, I got a better chance of being mayor, and I think that's where my skill set lies, quite frankly. And when the hell is the election? I mean, uh, what's it? Schumer is up right now, and Gillibrand in two years. I don't know. I don't want to be one of a hundred. You know, I want to be. I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge, pal. You know what I mean? I don't want to be asking and writing letters and asking for permission for this and that and the other thing. And please do me a favor. I want to say, I want to pick up the phone and say, I want a dozen cops on 110th Street right now. You know, I want that kind of stuff. That's that's where I think I can make the biggest difference. I appreciate it, Bob. Do you know what I mean? Take Pete with you as the head of your office. All right. We'll see. Thank you, Bob, very, very much. And I'll be right back. 
Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Pardon me. I uh, This is what I'm going to do. This is what I have to do. I just, I had cake. Somebody brought in cake. I didn't ask for cake. They brought me a piece of cake. I'm usually pretty good about this. So I had the damn cake. And then I had to wash it down with some peanut M&M's. Uh, I just don't know. What I'm going to do is I'm going to write myself a card. And every time I eat or want to eat, I'll take out the card. And I'll say, is this food going to help you or hurt you? And if it doesn't meet that criteria, I will throw the cake in somebody's face. I just can't do this anymore. Damn it. All right. I got to go across the street and get ready for the Newsmax show. So I'm going to wrap up here in a moment. Tonight, what's on my agenda? Well, the dead queen, may she, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, it's, uh, it's sad, but it's also a celebration. You know, 96 years, 70 years as the monarch, 71 years, something like that. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And um, strong woman, Prince Charles. Uh, and then, ooh, I got this great little thing about, you know, if you want to get anything done and you're in the White House, let's say you want to establish peace between two countries, you know what the worst thing to do would be to call up the State Department and ask for their help. They actively undermine everything. They call it the Deep State Department. You know who I heard that from? Henry Kissinger. He was the Secretary of State. <laughs> if you want to get anything, if you want to get anything done, do not go through the State Department. He told that to Jared Kushner, and it's in his new book. It's absolutely brilliant and fascinating. We have an entire department, right? Tens of thousands. How many people work at the State Department? 10,000, I would bet, at least. 10,000 people. And what do they do? They work for themselves. They work for themselves. They don't care about the country they serve. All right, I got to go through these calls real quick. Christine in Middletown, yes. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. I, I have more optimism this year for the red wave. I saw Bob Stefanowski at a charity softball game last night. And even though it wasn't political, he claimed that he made a nice little speech before the game, whereas Ned Lamont, even though he was there for a little bit, didn't even address the crowd before he left. It's just the little things in our Connecticut GOP there start to take the fight to the Democrats for once, Greg. Well, I love it. I met Bob Stefanowski myself about two weeks ago for the first time, and I was very impressed. So keep that optimism and don't forget, folks. Write a couple of checks if you want to help. Uh, Andrew and Stanhope. Yeah, Greg, the honeymooners is awesome, but since it's a lack of time, I would say the uh, white woman gone missing, but they don't talk about the shootings in Chicago, the black kid shooting, so they're hypocrites. And also the uh, reporter from CNN talked about race interrupted. Ironically, she's Indian, Biden badmouthed Indian immigrants. You know, and he was known as Jim Crow Joe. He fought integration busing because he didn't want his kids, quote, going to a black jungle. So to have that, to have Biden there and not say a single word, it's uh, horrendously biased when you're talking about race and racism. Yeah, you're he right about that. Jim Crow racist. Jim Crow Joe. I remember all that stuff, those horrible remarks, the prejudicial stereotypes that he holds about people at 7-Eleven. Terrible, terrible. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Jerry in Middletown, yes? Hey, uh, you're wrong about uh, post offices and uh, lockboxes for voting. We don't have mailboxes up in uh, 
this area anymore. The government took them all away. Well, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about Wisconsin, and I was talking about drop boxes in Wisconsin, ballot boxes in Wisconsin, which were recently uh, rendered illegal by the state Supreme Court, Jerry. I wasn't talking about you. I don't know where you got the idea that I was talking about Jerry, but I wasn't. Or wherever you live, Middletown. I was talking about Wisconsin, and I was talking about Pennsylvania. Thank you. Uh, Next, we have Alice in Summit. Uh, Yeah, they never did investigate Charles after Diana's death, did they? Oh, come on. He was nowhere close. He was nowhere close. He was... uh, he wasn't in Paris. She died in Paris. He was. He didn't have anything to do with that. Come on. Him. What? Neither was her boyfriend's father, but they did it him. Dodie Fayed. Hey, the driver was drunk, and he hit the gas, and they had a car crash. I totally accept that. I don't think there was any problem. I mean, it's a problem. They had a horrible crash, but other than that, I'm, I don't believe in that and in, in, in anything uh, uh, untoward. Mike in St. James. Not you, but the other Mike, but it's okay. Mike and Coma. What? Hello, Gr- Which one Hello, is this? Greg. Oh, yeah, hi, Mike. Yeah, you're the one who's going to untangle the governor's race for everybody and win it for Zeldin, right? Yes, well, I have a better idea now. You can uh, help him get elected, and I. the mayor's election is three years away. He could appoint you to a nice job like superintendent of state police. What oh, that think? sounds like a great job. Superintendent? Are you kidding me? I don't want to be some superintendent. Superintendent? And I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm not going to wear one of those Smokey the Bear hats. I don't know anything about uh, that stuff. I don't want to okay. be. I don't want to be. I don't want to be ahead of the state troopers. And I'm quite frankly, that's not a job for me. It's not. They got some state troopers who are in the running for a job like that. I don't want to do that job. Uh, there's no job in state government that interests me, other than governor. Quite frankly, uh, what else? Can I ask you a question about the Marine Corps? Mm, okay. Uh, are all marine pilots assigned to ships? Uh, no. Were you assigned to a ship? Uh, yes. I was assigned to a unit, a squadron, that sent a detachment to a ship. I wasn't officially assigned to the ship, but I did live on the ship for eight months. Aircraft carrier? Yeah, it was an LHA. It was like a it was like two thirds the size of a of a traditional aircraft carrier. But yes, an aircraft carrier for all intents and purposes. Yes. How was the food? Excellent, excellent. Actually, all you can eat. Wow. Well, you were in the ward room, though. Well, so you make it sound like uh, what? What's wrong with the ward room? Well, you didn't eat it off a tray. Yes, of course, I ate off a tray. Oh, you think okay, we had butlers and stewards taking care of all that stuff? No, I was not in the captain's mess. I had to go through it just like you did in high school or a cafeteria. I went and I got my food on a on a on a tray, and they had plates and stuff like that. Plates on top of the tray, but the food was excellent. Thanks for asking, Mike. And uh, no, seriously, thanks for asking. Uh, good good times. People always complain about the food. I never understand why. I've had like two bad meals in my entire life. Two. Um. Other than that, I I think food is delightful. I'm not a foodie. I even hate the word. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. It's time. Newsmax, uh, what time is my show on together? Oh, yeah, 10 (laughs) o'clock. It's a little, I know it's a little late for some of you, but it's it's a nice schedule, and it's a nice program, and uh, we'll see. I might have a very special guest tonight. Donald Trump. We'll see. 
working on it. Anyway, thanks so much. Have a great day. To be continued tomorrow, which is Friday already. And so sorry that the queen is dead. What do they say? The queen is dead. Long live the queen. What a lady. What a great lady. And uh, 96, 96. Good luck to the king, Charles. Uh, See you tomorrow. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.